Welcome to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Michelle Fanley, and I'm joined each program in the studio with my friend, Emily Jaminette. This is a show to help you be inspired by our Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope this show provides an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh your soul and strengthen your faith. As it was born out of our friendship, we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sisters in Christ. Well, hello, Emily. Hello, hello. It is great to be back in the studio in this hot day here in August. It is. It finally feels like August, let's be honest. And it's kind of exciting because everyone's heading back to school. Everyone's tomorrow. heading back to school. <laughs> <laughs> time for school and time for transit, you know, transition, but it's a good time. It's it a is. good time. And every um, season has its joys. Absolutely. Well, today uh, we are very honored and blessed to have a very special guest with us today. And our topic is a little more serious than we um, usually talk about, but we're going to talk about something that's touched many people's lives and it will touch everyone's lives and that is end of life issues and palliative care and we're blessed to have dr natalie king with us i met natalie when we spoke together on the converging roads catholic bioethics conference and she is an amazing physician just locally here in cincinnati um we'll be bringing on the show shortly so dr natalie king is originally from jefferson indiana Jeffersonville, Indiana. She attended the University of Notre Dame. While in medical school at Tulane University, she founded the Catholic Medical Association student section. She completed her internal medicine residency at the University of Utah and Palliative Medicine Fellowship at Mayo Clinic in Arizona. For the first five years of her career, she worked at a community hospital in Denver, Colorado, where she led the Palliative Medicine Inpatient Consultation Service, helped chair the hospital's ethics committee, and provided education to medical trainees. In 2020, Dr. King completed a master's degree in bioethics from The Ohio State University with her final research project partnered with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops on improving education around palliative care and hospice for Catholic laity and clergy. She has organized the annual pre-conference forum for the Catholic Medical Association on end-of-life issues. She also travels around the United States providing education and advocacy about palliative medicine and ethical issues relating to serious illness and end-of-life. She's currently working on a book for Catholics on end-of-life issues with Ave Maria Press that will come out in 2024. Dr. King lives in Cincinnati with her husband and her daughter, Claire. Well, welcome, Dr. King, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, doctor, you've done a lot of traveling. I'm pretty impressed with also your resume, but all the places in which you've lived, that's, that's fantastic. It's been really fun. If you like traveling, like as far as the medical um, journey goes, you can sometimes opt to live in different places for each step of it, which is what I did. So it was a really fun, it's been a fun experience and adventure living a lot of places around the country. And you learn a lot about different places and and the different laws there and medicine and ethics. And so it's helped broaden my perspective. That is beautiful. And now you're back in the Midwest, the good old Midwest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we gave a pretty formal bio here for you, but tell us a little bit, our listeners, a little bit more about yourself and your faith journey. Sure. Um, when I was in college at Notre Dame, I really got deeper in my faith during that time. And I had a great spiritual director who spoke to me about how I could live my vocation, um, not only in a sense of my state in life, but also in a professional sense. And I think that has really helped to carve out my, what I feel is a calling to medicine. I um, got deeper, more in medical school about how I could be Catholic and be a physician, 
not just Catholic on Sundays, but every day in the week, and how I practiced medicine and the different decisions I would make, which I realized through med school were going to be quite controversial at times, as I was learning things in the classroom that were against church teachings, things about abortion or euthanasia and assisted suicide or um, prenatal screenings and all sorts of issues. And so this really prompted me to, to dig deeper into my faith and what it, what it meant to be a Catholic physician. So I was super happy to learn about things like the Catholic Medical Association, which gave me great mentors and uh, friends that have helped strengthen me over the years. And then through my training experience, ended up choosing, choosing palliative medicine, which I think is a wonderful opportunity to keep uh, practicing and choosing um, to live and practice my faith according to the church teachings, which can be countercultural in many places, um, where place, things like physician-assisted suicide are legal. So, um, yeah, my faith has definitely informed my professional decisions, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, it's really informed who I am today. And for those who may not be very familiar with this, can you tell our listeners exactly what palliative care is, what you mean by that? Yeah, so palliative medicine is a subspecialty that people can go into after, uh, for me it was internal medicine training, but you can go into it from family medicine training or pediatrics or any any really specialty and it's, it's focused care on people who have serious illness. So that can mean things from cancer to dementia to multiple sclerosis to things like strokes and heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, anyone who's really having a lot of stress from their medical situation. People maybe who are going to the hospital find themselves getting readmitted a lot. They're having side effects from the treatments they're receiving or from the disease itself. And palliative care can really help these people as our focus is to, to help you live the best life you can for as long as you can, even when you may have a disease that is incurable. So palliative care, it, it's really about living the best life. Um, it does include things like hospice and more end-of-life type care, but not all palliative care is about that. Palliative care is really can be upstream and just helping when you, when you have that diagnosis to help. Even when your focus is cure and aggressive care, palliative care can walk with you. We have doctors and nurses and social workers and chaplains because we know that serious illness and the stress around it affects not just your physical parts of you, but your emotional and spiritual sides. And so as a Catholic, it, it really is a beautiful opportunity to to continue to grow deeper in your faith and it grow deeper in um, living your best life when even even when something like a serious illness may may come up wow um dr natalie king i i'm so inspired i'll be honest i'm so inspired by you and your faith and your yes to this this um calling it sounds like a really a calling to evangelize maybe you could share with our listeners you know even like how did you choose this specialty? Because I think um, my inner gut would be like, oh, that's too hard for me. <laughs> I mean, could you maybe share when you enter into a vocation that you get to um, walk with people like this? I I'd love to um, kind of hear how you, how you felt that calling. Sure. And I'll tell you, it wasn't my initial thought <laughs> to go into this. When I 
was in medical school, I was thinking I would be an oncologist and take care of cancer patients. And it, it was really not until I was well into my training in internal medicine that I, I kind of had this shift. And someone that I worked with actually brought up what palliative care was to me because I was not that familiar with it. But I, she had noticed that I loved talking to families when they were in the intensive care unit and helping um, educate them about what was going on and, and support them. At the same time, I really enjoyed taking care of cancer patients, and I really uh, found a lot of joy with um, spending time with geriatric patients. And so palliative care takes care of all those populations, and it, it, but it, has a big, it was a big philosophical switch for me from taking care of people that could be cured or our focus was a cure, like treating a patient with an antibiotic to get rid of an infection or, you know, as a cancer doctor, giving chemotherapy to try to cure them from cancer to focusing on quality of life and symptom support, like helping people live better despite um, a serious illness, even though we may not be able to cure them. And and that was really different, but it was so, uh, I realized so meaningful and I would I wouldn't trade it for anything now because I have found so much joy in, in being privileged to walk with people and to accompany them on their journey with serious illness and to make things better and to give that, um, that empathy and really like love, I think, because so many times in our culture, like these patients who have difficult um, impairments and debility from, from chronic illness or, or end-stage disease, they maybe forgotten or aren't valued sometimes in our culture. And it's a real way to to love them, you know, and to give their, them and their families. Because in palliative care, we, we say we care for the patient and everyone who loves the patient. So so really, how can I care for their, their care network to, to make this time the best it can be and to still have good days and to help relieve pain and or shortness of breath or emotional distress or whatever may be afflicting the patient so that they um, can still have as much normalcy in their life or keep keep living the the, the joys that they, they find in life, whatever that may be for them. Well, that's absolutely beautiful. I know in my career journey, you know, I've done labor and delivery and I love the happy parts of, and so to be with someone in this journey as they're suffering as, or they're going toward their end of life, it's a really a true gift and a calling. So thank you for, for your yes to that, because we need this right in our today's world that is, we are, you know, want to end the suffering, right? The, so the push for assisted suicide, you know, if you're sick, just end it all, but to to transform that suffering is our final time before we, we meet Christ, right? Before we meet our maker. Definitely. I think it's a real place that um, we can, we can love those patients and to have, to have people of faith in the beginning, I call it the bookends of life, you know, at the beginning and at the end are really right places for, for our, our need to, to shed love and, and light in our culture today. Wow. You know, I think about the gray that's also associated, right, with the bookends of life. And a lot of times people think, you know, they're doing the right thing for their loved one. And we've read a lot of articles, like Michelle mentioned, on assisted suicide or um, excessive, you know, maybe pain meds well beyond what they needed. You know, maybe we could get into some of those misconceptions or some, you know, advice if, if we were sitting there having coffee, you know, what what would you recommend to me or to Michelle or to our listeners if this is something 
that, you know, you're, you're entering into that stage with a loved one? That's a great question. And I think, unfortunately, in our world today, it, it is true that we need to be good advocates for our loved ones and or for ourselves, because just like any field in medicine, there are people in it that are not moral, you know, like, to be completely honest. And um, to it, there needs to be a lot of reverence and respect around this time. Palliative care, um, how I see it, is a very um, beautiful and, you know, can be practiced in a very pro-life way. And that's where I think we need more more Catholics, if you know med students or people interested in in um, this field, to be out there in the trenches with us. Because physician-assisted suicide is now legal um, in, in more, it's passing in more places every year. And when I took my first job, uh, as a little aside, um, I, I moved to a state where two months after I moved there, physician-assisted suicide became legal. And so I personally had to navigate. I worked for a faith-based health system, so I was able to opt out. Our whole system opted out of being involved with the law, um, which was great that systems had that opportunity. But that did not mean that it was invading the culture. And patients would come to me and ask for the medications um, to end their life or ask me to give them resources about that or bring up that. And, and it was also sad because I think others viewed me as a palliative care doctor as this being part and parcel of, of what I do. And that is absolutely incorrect. Palliative care, like I mentioned earlier, is here to help people live the best life for as long as possible. It is not about helping patients die. I think that is the opposite of what any physician should be involved with. We are here to help restore health, not to hasten death. And that is outside of our realm. Uh, unfortunately, there are people that disagree and that feel physicians should be a part of that. Um, I feel that, especially if you live in a state where this is legal, it's important to really um, advocate for your loved one that that is not something that you're at all interested in, that you know, you're Catholic, your faith is really important to you, you believe in the sanctity of life, and I think you're, it's, it's very fine and well to even interview your doctors that are caring for you. I'm trying to ensure that they support you or your loved ones in a way that will be respectful of, of your values. And that would also be for any hospice agency that is caring for your loved ones. Even in a place where physician-assisted suicide is not legal, there have been many stories I think I've heard of, unfortunately, patients who feel um, or people that feel their loved ones were not cared for with the ultimate respect that they deserved with hospice. And so I think those, and that, that makes me feel like with any sort of healthcare provider that your loved one may have, especially if they're vulnerable and can't speak for themselves or advocate for themselves, to, to really talk to their healthcare, um, whether it's their nurse or their, their hospice company, you interview them and you say, like, these are really important things for me. This is my faith. This is um, the faith of my loved one and, and how um, we, what we believe, and this is what we would need for our end-of-life care. If at any point you feel that that is not being respected, then I would, I would fire that hospice. I would, you know, seek a health care elsewhere, um, and that's okay. I think that palliative care in of itself is not, that's not what it's about. It's not what hospice is about, and that's not what it should be ever about. 
And in my opinion um, and in my experience, I truly feel palliative care is the Catholic antidote. It is the response to physician-assisted suicide. And it has been written about, and it's in the catechism, it's been written about by the uh, the Vatican, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has written on the good of palliative care as true accompaniment of people through sickness and serious illness. And, you know, as we say in Mass, we pray for um, respect of life at the beginning of con- conception to natural death. Um, and, and it's not enough just to say we pray for that. It's what is the answer to that? And I think the answer is advocating for good palliative care um, that respects that. Amen. So, that is yeah. beautiful. What a beautiful <laughs> That's ministry. That's really what I feel called, um, Emily and Michelle, is as my, my mission and what God is asking me is help, to help advance that because there's, there's few people doing it and there's few people that know about it. Well, you are listening to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Michelle Fanley, and I'm in the studio with Emily Jaminette today, and we're speaking with Dr. Natalie King about palliative care and end-of-life issues. So, Dr. King, so when someone's in the hospital and they are having to make a lot of decisions, we're talking end-of-life here, I know some family members can feel pretty overwhelmed um, with these choices they have to make. And one thing we talk about that makes people help understand a little better in the medical world, we talk about extraordinary or disproportionate care in relation to, you know, versus an ordinary care or more things that you should do for that, your family member. So can you give us, I know this is a huge topic and you could take a whole college course on it, but kind of the basics on making some decisions for end of life with your family members. Absolutely. I think that in today's world, it's even more complicated because of our medical technology we have. It may seem like there are endless options out there. There always can be another treatment. There always can be another surgery or medication that your loved one can take. And so it's important to really stop and think through the benefit versus burden of this particular treatment or medication and how that, re- how that is related to the patient, like in their own eyes. So sometimes um, the same treatment for two different people, for one person it might be more beneficial than, than burdensome, and another person it might be overly burdensome and not beneficial. And so it really how that how this relates to each patient can be different, which makes it which makes it hard. It's not like a cut and dry cut and dry thing. So someone who is 25 and needs dialysis and they're otherwise healthy but they have kidney failure can be very different than someone who is 85, has dementia, has heart failure and needs dialysis, if that makes sense. And so there's not a right or wrong as far as what to do in every scenario, but it's looking at things in the patient's eyes and their subjective lens and saying, is this disproportionate or overly burdensome? Does that outweigh the benefit in, for them, or is it more beneficial? Is the risks of it outweighed by the benefit for this patient? And so I, I kind of just have that scale. I would have that scale in mind as you look at any medical decision that you face, and that can help you in determining what decision to make regarding it. And it's okay, too, to try something and then to say, you know what, it's, this is overly burdensome, this is not good, or to try it and say, actually, it's good, we'll keep going with it. And, and that can kind of help guide as you, as you work through different decisions in the end of life. Wow. I'm taking notes, Dr. King. I want you to know, uh, you know, I want to be a good advocate. I want to help my family members live their best life. I mean, this is 
fantastic advice for everyone. We all get to be part as we're, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, like the importance of what you're sharing today. You know, maybe are there any other resources out there that that could be helpful if this is something that's not just um, an important planting seed, but you are like, oh my gosh, I need this. I'm working through this right now. And maybe there's a future book as well coming out, you know, so maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, where do we go next as, as we're learning about this? Absolutely. And I, I get so many questions uh, from people when I give talks or, or opportunities like this that it's really prompted me to see how can I get this information out to people in a more accessible way. And so I've been working on just a how-to guide for Catholics, um, for laity, on, on navigating serious illness and common end-of-life issues. And so I'm putting that together in a book that will be um, hopefully a helpful resource for parishes and for, for patients and their families. In the meantime, I think that um, your diocese may have, where you live, a Catholic um, advanced directive. You could look into that, call your Respect Life office, see if they have resources. Just making sure that your doctors know your values is very important. And choosing someone as a healthcare surrogate or medical durable power of attorney who is Catholic or that knows you're Catholic and can respect your wishes if you ever couldn't speak for yourself is a great first step to helping getting you support around making sure that you are getting getting um, respect and that reverence and dignity for life that that we believe as Catholics for each of us. And Dr. King, I know you also have done a lot of um, work on spiritual care for people who are dying. And I know we will all, I mean, we probably, many of us have found ourselves at the bedside of a loved one who is soon to pass. Um, so what do you recommend as far as um, spiritual care? Because I know it's a, an important piece at this, as you mentioned, at these bookends of life. Definitely. And I think that it's it's this area of spiritual care when that is not tended to, when when we do not work on that, whether with loved ones or with a priest or in ourselves. This this area is, is when that is down, when we feel lost and we've lost meaning or we don't understand like where we are with God, they, they have done studies that show that that area that we call it existential distress, we're not tending to that. That can lead people to be very despairing, and that can be one of the reasons people seek hastening of death or physician-assisted suicide. And so really working to look at those, those bigger questions and, and ensure that we're getting good support, whether it's through chaplaincy at the hospital or with our, our health care um, facility where we're at, or getting um, support through our priests, getting support through our families, having conversations, taking access, uh, advantage of, of getting access to the sacraments and going to confession and having uh, anointing of the sick. Things like that can be very, very meaningful. Um, having conversations with our families. It's never too early to have those important conversations about how much you know we love them and what we want to communicate. And so to, to prepare, um, as, as difficult that, as that is. And there's a great website called The Conversation Project. You just Google that. Um, it, it can help a guide to start having those important conversations that can lead to these more these bigger questions and and areas of, areas of faith. 
Thank you. That is a great resource. I, you're, I agree. It's very important to have, but it's also a very difficult decision to have. And maybe you're, you know, your parents might not want to have this decision, this, this discussion with you, but I think you need to sit down and say, you know, mom and dad, I just really want to talk about your end of life wishes so that you, if you are assigned as their durable power of attorney, that you're making the choices that they want you to have and having the conversation is always better than a piece of paper, right? Like I think some people think, well, I have a, you know, you know, they might've written it out in some type of, you know, advanced directive, but to have that conversation um, is so important. Um, what I, a lot of peace. We could just mm-hmm. say, I was listening to the podcast inspired by faith right. with Dr. King. And I want to have this really important conversation. I want to tell you about what I learned today. So, I mean, sometimes it's even just passing it on because our faith is an encounter with Jesus Christ where we're, we can't hold it in and, and we go forth. Before we close, doctor, do you have um, maybe just a word of encouragement or, you know, something how the Lord's touched you in this really beautiful but delicate vocation of palliative care? I think um, I've just seen that there is such an opportunity to love at the bedside and really trying to know that you are not defined by your illness or your life is not over if you have a diagnosis. And we believe that we have the Christian hope. So you can continue to grow and even to flourish. I know that sounds crazy, but you can continue to grow and, and as, as you're going through your illness. And what I often speak about when I, when I give presentations is that, that image of, of a tree in the fall or a sunset. And it's, a, it's, it's like nearing the end, right? It's the end of a day or it's the end of a of the season and the the leaves are about to fall, but they are the most beautiful and the sky is the most full of color. And that is what I get to witness in palliative care, the beauty of the richness of someone's personhood. They're, they're fully alive despite this illness, despite what they're going through, the debility and getting to celebrate that with their families. And that I think is such a gift. And I really want others to experience that kind of, of time in their life uh, as well to have that gift. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank yeah. you so much, Dr. King. We've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show and God bless you. And thank you all for tuning in. We thank you for joining us for Inspired by Faith. We hope you are blessed and inspired by this episode. To find out more about the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, visit ColumbusCatholicWomen.com. And to hear more about Emily and my work, be sure to check us out at InspireTheFaith.com.